The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today for the show, being present with me for just a little bit. Wherever you are spitting out there in the cosmos, uh, joining me live, which hopefully you are, or you might be listening to the podcast later. Welcome. I'm really excited about my guest today, and we were chatting a little bit before the show, and I just was laughing to myself, like, how come we've never met before? You know, we know a lot of the same people, and I'm like, where has she been? So I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Her name is Julie Ryan, and she's a psychic and medical intuitive and author. And as I was reading her book, I mean, Julie is a fascinating person. Person. She's also an inventor, which I thought was really cool. She's an entrepreneur, and she's invented a number of widely used surgical devices. And she's also an amazing businesswoman who's founded nine companies across the medical, natural gas, and advertising industries. So doing all of this and discovering and settling into her natural talents as a psychic and medical intuitive. So there's definitely a story here. <laughs> We're going to dig into this a little bit. So Julie Ryan, welcome to the show. Now, also, I want you people to check her out online on her site, AskJulieRyan.com. And she's also on Instagram, Facebook, and all of your social media apps. She's out there. So Julie, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Diane. I'm thrilled to be here. This is so great. So I think it's so interesting how you have this business background and business savvy, and yet you're working in the psychic realm. So that's really interesting. So you go in the book that I just finished, and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, Julie's book, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens as We Transition from This Life into the Next, is the book that I just finished. Uh, that's been out for, I guess, a, a year or so. And she's also working on a new one. So we're we're going to talk about this book, too. And then you know, some of your other many talents. And it's funny in the the one sheet that I was reading, it says, uh, Julie is a buffet of psychicness, which I think is so cool. So we're going to talk about the book, ask Julie questions, and, um, you know, just kind of chat for the next hour. So Julie, this is so interesting, you know, the, the story you describe in the book about your business background, and then getting into this world. I mean, you think those two things are just so completely separate and completely different. So just tell us how you kind of made that transition from one world to the next. It is. I tell people I'm an inventor and a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo. And as you mentioned, I'm a buffet of psychicness. So I think let's just hit the humor head on because when I tell people I'm a medical intuitive and psychic, it's kind of the that puppy look when somebody says something to a puppy and a puppy tilts its head kind of like, huh? What? What are you? What is this? <laughs> it doesn't compute. So, that's right. Doesn't compute. And I just am one of those naturally curious people, Diane. I am interested in, gosh, everything. My, my husband affectionately refers to me as his information suck, because I'm just genuinely curious about all kinds of things. 
And I, as an inventor, have been in the medical business. I was in the medical business for over 30 years on the supply side of the equation. So I was always interested in medical stuff and not as a practitioner, but in coming up with devices to help practitioners heal people. And when I, I guess about 25, 26 years ago, a girlfriend for my birthday gave me Carolyn Mace's book, Anatomy of the Spirit. And I, it's a classic, she, right? Classic. Absolutely. <laughs> and she calls herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I've never heard that term before. And I read the book and I was interested. And then I thought, I want to know more. So back then we didn't really have Amazon and we didn't, the internet wasn't that big of a deal yet. And so I did the old fashioned thing, Diane. I went to a bookstore <laughs> to see what I could find. Went to a Barnes and Noble, actually, in my neighborhood. And uh, a book that I found was called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. And Barbara Brennan is a former NASA physicist who figured out how to parlay quantum physics technical things into understandable language for somebody who had a non-scientific mind. That would be me. And I read that and was fascinated. So I called her school, which was in Long Island at the time, and I said, do you have anybody in my area that's a graduate that's teaching this stuff? And lo and behold, there was. And I took classes for six years to learn how to be a medical intuitive and psychic. That's so amazing. And you're still doing that to this day. And I you do. You take uh, clients and, and give people readings and things like that. So I'd like to open up the phones, too, if people want to join us. 816-251-3555 is the number if you had a question or comment for Julie. Definitely take advantage today. So you're kind of bringing a scientific aspect to this topic, which I think is great and, and really needed. Well, most psychics or mediums will just talk to dead people or they'll just be pet psychics or they'll just do medical intuitive stuff. And I do it all. And I believe Diane, it's because I learned how to do this stuff. I turn my abilities on and off at will. I don't walk around scanning people because I don't think that's ethical. And I, if somebody is, is asking me to scan a loved one, like a parent or a child, I'll telepathically ask that person spirit if I have permission to scan them. For instance, if it's a medical scan, most of the work I do is medical. I would say 95%. I have people that call from all over the world and and uh, they've been to multiple doctors and they can't figure out what the heck's going on. They've gotten various diagnoses, various treatment protocols, and none of them are working. So they're calling me. I had a gal this morning who has MS. She lives in Chicago and uh, so I scanned her, and what I saw that she had had serious mold exposure. And so that is what I believe caused the MS, and I believe she can reverse those symptoms. I mean, if she still has a diagnosis, who cares if she doesn't have any symptoms anymore? So I'm able to pinpoint, it's like I'm a human MRI. Chris Northrup, Dr. Chris Northrup, I know you know her. She's a friend we have in common. She says, Julie, you're like a human MRI. And I really am. I can see in my <laughs> mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, whatever. And then I watch energetic healings happen, Diane, that oftentimes will emulate what I saw in operating rooms and other departments of hospitals in my 
three-decade career in that industry. And, uh, and so it's really fascinating because things I see in my mind's eye and the healings can create results either instantly or over days, weeks, months, or need adjunct medical care. And I'll get information on what information, you know, telepathically, psychically on what, how to direct the person of what they need. And um, it, it's really fascinating to watch all of this. It's lots of fun. And what would you say would be the percentage of, I mean, the accuracy is, is probably pretty high. I mean, you're pretty accurate in when you do a scan of somebody and the diagnosis comes back, then you're, you're generally not surprised, are you? No, I'm very accurate. Actually, I would say in the high 90%, certainly nobody is 100%, but um, high, high, high 90%. But it's interesting because in some of the healings that I see, I will watch new organs get generated with stem cell energy, for instance, and and they'll, the organs will show up on scans and the docs then are calling me and saying, okay, now what did you do with my patient? How does this work? What is this? And then they'll end up sending me other of their patients, usually when they can't figure out a diagnosis. I work a lot with cancer patients. I watch DNA get resequenced so the mutations get corrected energetically and it um, it has an effect on their symptoms and their healing. I work with doctors and scientists around the world who I can help them pinpoint their research in different directions and and it's funny if I'll see a healing day and that I don't know what's going on, which doesn't happen that often after doing this for 26 years. But you know, every once in a while, I'll see something come in and I don't really understand what it is. And I'll call one of my advisors who's either a physician or a geneticist or someone like that. And I'll say, what am I seeing? And sometimes they'll say, well, it's a hypothesis. Nobody's seen it. Nobody can prove it. And there's no way you would know about it. But here's what you're describing so that I can make sense of it. It's really fascinating. So are you of the school or of the belief that we're all energetic beings? You know, we're, oh, we're made of energy and, and, you know, energy can move around. I mean, I'm so interested in that, in that field and a lot of those modalities. I recently had an experience where I learned an energetic healing uh, technique from um, a man named Master Choi, and he's this Korean... Um, healing master. And I, you know, I was kind of skeptical. I had my, my little bit of doubt there, but I could feel things, you know, moving around. I could really feel energy in the body. And I've had Reiki treatments where I've felt that. And, and you had mentioned uh, in the book that you studied Reiki and mm-hmm. being called the human MRI. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I would much rather go to someone like you than a real MRI because I just find those things terrifying. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but we are made of energy, right? And that's something that you're yeah. able to tap into and, and see and also move around. Absolutely. Everything, go back to your third grade science classes. You know, everything's made of energy and our body and our spirit are both energy. Our spirit vibrates at a higher rate than our body simply because our body has mass. So when our spirit is connected to our body and our spirit, by the way, is the power source for the body, which is why when somebody dies and the spirit separates from the body, the body doesn't work anymore because it doesn't have a power source. So the energy that is our spirit and our body is all holographic and the body is inside the spirit 
as I perceive it, Diane. And it's enclosed in what I call the energy field membrane. And it's a uh, it reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, like you'd get on a tray of chicken breasts from the grocery store. You know how that saran wrap's thinner and stretchier than the glad wrap, perhaps, in our kitchen drawers, you know, that we're using on leftovers. Right. And so it's all holographic, but, but when there's a tear or a hole in that energy field membrane caused by some emotional event that happened either in this lifetime or a past lifetime, and I... I investigate that and I'm shown information. What's the year? Where was it? What happened? That kind of thing. Um, when there's a leak, there it always precedes any kind of medical condition. So I believe part of the most important aspect of a healing when I'm doing it is to fix that energy field membrane. Most of us have a leak, will have a leak or a tear after the age of about 14 or 15. It's just life events. So the best analogy I've come up with for this, Diane, is imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get it home, right? Right. So if, if you have a, a vision of that in your mind's eye, the goldfish represents our body. The water represents our spirit because the body's inside the spirit, remember. And then the plastic bag represents our energy field membrane. So if there's a pinhole in that plastic bag and water is draining out a drop at a time, for a long time that fish is going to be okay. But when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that's an analogy that I can equate with the human body, that we have energy leaks that over time – cause all kinds of problems that manifest as medical issues. So we fix the leak, we clear the block, we do the energetic healings, and the body's able to heal. And are you just amazed sometimes at the body's ability to heal itself? I think people don't realize how much power that we really do have in that area. But you must see this a lot. I do, and I haven't ever seen anything that can't be healed. Everything can be healed. And the healings that I watch happen uh, can integrate into the body, as I mentioned, either instantly or over time or need adjunct help like surgery or physical therapy or chiropractic care or change in diet or whatever. But certainly at the end of the day, it's always that person's spirit's prerogative to utilize the healing in a manner that's going to best serve what it wants to experience in this lifetime. So we cannot create in someone else's reality. We can only create in our own reality. So the healings that I watch happen and participate in are there on the energetic level. It's up to that person's spirit, how it integrates it into the body. Okay. And that's interesting. And mm -hmm. if I have a caller here that we're going to go to and you know full disclosure is, is probably someone that you'll recognize <laughs> so but i want to bring her on to say hello and welcome to the show you are on with julie today hi hello, hello. can you hear me yes you can can you hear me yes <laughs> this great, is katie great. hi katie hi, you're katie. on with hey, julie. julie how are you doing <laughs> i'm good how are you girl I am doing great. I'm doing great. Nice to see you too, or to hear you too, Diane. 
Well, I'm so glad you could call and join the show. <laughs> now, Katie was involved with Julie's book that we're going to talk about a little bit. And Katie, have you ever had a, a reading with Julie or had her help you with anything um, kind of on the energetic level that we were talking about? Oh, yeah. Julie's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And she's she's nailed things for me time and time again. And what have you experienced, though? Share something that uh, that you worked on with Julie. Um, I remember at one time I, 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 I was not feeling well and I couldn't really figure out what it was. And she <laughs> she basically described she was telling me I was like I was dehydrated and she was picking up crystals um, in my um, in, in I don't know wherever you have kidney stones in your kidneys I guess and I thought a kidney stone like I don't have a kidney stone and I had a kidney stone <laughs> wow it was amazing it was amazing and um, and yeah so she's helped me with even with things like viruses she's been able to tell me um, you know when things like that are coming up and uh, and and then also you know how to heal them how to get through them um, so that so that they don't they're so that they're not as 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 horrible as they could be you know right so were you pretty impressed with the diagnosis and and the experience oh yeah i really was um because when she told me i thought you know a lot of times you don't know things are are coming in like i didn't know that was coming in and i thought wow like that's crazy like why would she see and i don't and and i don't even no, um, this was several years ago, and I don't even remember why we were talking about it. But I just remember thinking um, that that was so curious because, um, you know, why would somebody have have crystals like that? And I didn't think I was I was I you know things with dehydration you can get dehydrated without realizing that you're dehydrated. So, um, so she was telling me you got to drink a lot of water. You got to drink a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> And that's true. <laughs> and I tried. <laughs> yeah, but clearly I didn't drink enough. And then when I when I ended up uh when I ended up with a kidney stone, I was just I well that's what it is, I, I realized. And uh and, and she was exactly right. She was and there was no way for her to know that I had that or or that that was going on for me. So she um she absolutely intuited that uh, perfectly. That's incredible. And in the book that I just finished, Angelic Attendance, you know, Julie, you go into describing um, some of the things that you see in the the dying experience and just like, like the colors and, and the light that you're able to see. I mean, is that is it similar to when you're doing a medical intuition reading or scan on somebody? I'm just curious as to what you're seeing, you know, the difference. Well, when I'm doing a medical scan on somebody, I will, it's like I'm looking at an MRI or a CT scan or an x-ray. I'm looking in, I'm looking in body parts, I'm looking inside body parts and seeing different things like in, uh, and after doing it for so long too, I recognize what certain things are. For instance, inflammation looks like red fog over a body part. And so I, I know I need to remove that in order to see underneath it. Because when we drive in fog, you know how it occludes your vision. It's uh, you got to get on the other side of the fog to see what's in front of you. And same thing with this. I, antibiotic energy looks like hot pink energy to me. 
uh, viral energy looks like very thin beef broth soup, <laughs> you know, just the broth out of the soup. Uh, I see, I see actual body parts. I can see inside organs. Now, when I say see, I'm talking about inside my head. And so unlike a lot of medical intuitives that'll just say, okay, I see this energy block here, there, whatever, I'm seeing actual body parts. And I talk about that in the book of how that all came in and, and how it works. And it, it comes in handy. There are times when I have to go to my anatomy book and say, okay, now this is the femur versus the tibia versus the whatever. And I don't know all the exact names for all the chambers of the heart and things like that. But I, I know where in the heart it is. And I just go ahead and watch the healings and participate in the healings. And then if I'm led later, I may look up, okay, that was, you know, the left anterior or whatever chamber of the heart that we just roto-rooted with plaque uh, that was built up in there. But then I go back to my years, decades of being in and out of surgeries. And I remember seeing plaque build up in arteries and it can look like squid it can look like lard it can look like something in between the two so i i i believe that my decades of being in the medical business and being in the operating room uh you know have facilitated my being able to know what a lot of this stuff is that i'm seeing because i've seen it actually in surgeries Right. And having somewhat, not really medical background, but I mean, at least being around that industry and, and doctors, and like you said, being in, um, able to watch surgeries or that kind of thing, then you were able to, mm -hmm. to recognize it. And then in Katie's case, you, you could see that there was, there was something going on with the kidneys. I could see kidney stones <laughs> in her kidneys. Like the actual stone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what's interesting is with Katie, she's been in surgery before, and I can scan people real time when they're in surgery or whatever they're doing. And so I can tell normally the family members, I'm in touch with the family members when somebody's in surgery, I can read the anesthesia equipment. I can tell you what their blood pressure is. It's called remote viewing or non-local reality. And I can tell you how many surgeons are in the room. I can tell you where they are in their procedure, what they're doing. The person, it's interesting, Diane, the person's uh, guardian angel, who incidentally stays with us in all of our lifetimes, the same guardian angel, the person's guardian angel is always floating over the head of anesthesia. And then there are always surgeon spirits that are over the heads of the actual surgeons doing the procedure that are advising them. And then deceased loved ones spirits are in the room as well. And they form kind of a, oh, like a amphitheater shape, a horseshoe. And they'll have rows of horseshoes that go back from the foot of the OR table. And I can identify who the different people are that are in the room in the OR suite. Wow. And that's during a surgery. So that happens yeah. and that happens for everyone. I mean, it does if as far I'm, as you, you know, know. <laughs> I'm tuned into them. My, right. my brother-in-law <laughs> had surgery a couple of weeks ago and my sister-in-law texted me and she said, well, what are you seeing right now? And I said, I see him in the recovery room. Is he in recovery? And she said, yeah, he is. I said, okay. Cause I, he was in on a three hour surgery and I was checking in on him periodically and and telling her where they were in the procedure and what was going on. And of course she wanted to know if her parents, deceased parents were in the room and her grandmother and 
other people. And so I could describe them to her, but I also, it was so funny. It was just, well, what are you seeing now? I said, I see him in their recovery room. <laughs> wow. That's so interesting that, do you think it's because our, if it was me, the individual that was having the surgery or, or having something going on like that, am I thinking of, or, or kind of subconsciously wanting those people to be there that, that they show up or do they just, they just know to show up? Like, am, I, am I summoning that in a way? <laughs> I, I see a very large correlation with the amount of prayer and positive thoughts being sent to the person when they're having surgery. The more prayer that's being said and, you know, and prayer is just sending positive vibes to somebody at the end of the day. That's what prayer is. Um, there's always more spirits and there's always a correlation with how much prayer is being said for the person. It's really fascinating to watch. It must be. I mean, I wish I could see that. And and we'll talk about that a little bit more, too, in the next segment um, when we come back from the break, because I just wanted to share my experience of, I mean, I was in the room with my mother when she passed, and mm -hmm. I wanted to to see something. And even at that moment when I was holding her hand, I remember looking up because I've read so many books about what happens at the time that we pass and near-death experiences and things that people have described that they were able to look down and see what was going on with their body even after they left their body. So I looked up because I was hoping she was already out of out of her body because I really wanted her to be out of pain, the pain that she was in um, mm -hmm. because she had cancer. But um, I, I can't, I couldn't see, I couldn't see anything, but I always wondered if she knew that I was looking up or maybe if she thought, why is she looking up like that? Cause I looked up to the top of the room. Um, so, but what you described in the book, angelic attendance, which is so interesting is that there could have been a whole crowd in there at right. that, at that moment. And you I'm describe sure in detail what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do believe that. And, and just in um, also some other things you bring up in the book that I've, experienced where, you know, my, I remember my grandmother before she passed saying that she saw her mother there. And so that brought me a lot of comfort knowing that there are your loved ones helping you through that transition. So you explain that in the book and we'll go into that in the next segment. It's just all so interesting. So Katie, thanks for calling in and, and sharing your story. We're going to go Absolutely. to a break in just a few seconds <laughs> and great job. Great editing job on the book. I have to <laughs> give you, you. props. <laughs> I have to give you props on that. And again, I'd like to uh, invite you to join us. This is your chance to talk to Julie Ryan, 816-251-3555. If you happen to be listening live, we would love for you to join us. I'm Diane Ray, and thanks for listening to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show on Unity Online Radio. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back after the break. I'm Diane Ray talking with Julie Ryan, psychic and medical intuitive and author. So if you want to join the show, if you have a question or comment, she's a buffet of psychicness. So 
any any question is welcome. 816-251-3555 is the number. So I wanted to chat a little bit about the book that I just finished because I really liked it. It's called Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life Into the Next. And a couple of things, I mean, what I really liked about it is I think it's so important to have these conversations and to really uh, demystify or take away a lot of the the fear of what should be a natural experience that we're all going to face. And I think a lot of us just avoid that whole, the, the topic entirely. We don't have those important conversations with our parents and our loved ones about this. So in the, in the work that you do, I mean, what do you feel about that? Do you think that we really should be having these conversations a lot more about what actually happens and then maybe share your book with people? Absolutely. There's lots of information, as you alluded to, Diana, about near-death experiences and what happens once we die and we're in heaven, what most of us think of as heaven or in in pure spirit form. But I found that there really wasn't much information about what happens as we're dying and what's the process and what are we experiencing and from the spirit side of the equation. And that's the part that I find that people are so afraid of. Certainly we, a lot of us that have been raised in certain religions, we've been inundated with the fear of when we die, are we going to fly or fry kind of a thing. And, and it's, it's, I can tell you unequivocally, we all go to heaven, you know, that movie, all dogs go to heaven, all people go to heaven too. And so I, I was led, I live in the deep South. So they say down here, I was led to do that. So I was led to put this information out. And the interesting thing is what I see in my mind's eye is the same with everybody, Diane. And it, it reminded me of a prayer that said at the end of every Roman Catholic funeral, I was raised Roman Catholic, 12 years at Catholic schools. And there's a prayer called in paradisum that talks about your angel, the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And that's what I see. And the interesting thing about that, when I was writing the book, I researched where did that prayer originate? And best I could find, it it originated as a 5th century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe that people from the beginning of time have been able to see what I see intuitively or psychically. And perhaps it took until the 5th century for someone to be learned enough who had the thought, "Mm, let's do a prayer or a chant, which is a prayer and music about this. And some of the most learned people at the time were men who were in monasteries. So some monk wrote this prayer about what everybody, what a lot of people can see happen as they're dying. So I find that fascinating. It is. I'm sure that there were people you know, throughout history, of course, you know, people talk about the mystics and, you know, people that have had that sensitivity to be able to see that, you know, and and even back then, and they wrote that prayer. And I'm glad you mentioned from, you know, coming from the Roman Catholic perspective, um, I was brought up Catholic as well. And a lot of the things you, you describe in the book, like the 12 phases of transition, or, you know, people going to heaven, the angels that they see, it's kind of through you know, I guess the Judeo-Christian lens or, or, you know, which would make sense coming from your experience. So, and you even mentioned in the book that, you know, say if someone was 
a Buddhist or maybe grew up Native American or something like that, that we would see what, what we were brought up with in that transitional phase as we're moving, as we're moving through that dying process? Yes. For instance, angels to me look like angels depicted in statues that you see in cathedrals and churches. And because that's what I was brought up to believe that's what angels look like. So that's how the energy that is an angel appears to me. Someone, to your point, who's brought up in a different culture may see angel energy as a ball of purple energy or something completely different from how I perceive it. And so spirits and angels show up to me. Spirit guides are another interesting phenomenon because I see spirit guides and they all show up to me, Diane, like versions of father time, old men, long white hair, long white beard, white gown, like a version of Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies or Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. And then when we focus on just one of the spirit guides, we all have multiple spirit guides. So normally if I'm scanning somebody and they want to talk to their spirit guides, there'll be seven of them in a horseshoe behind the person with whom I'm talking. And and we'll ask a question and whatever spirit guide is advising that person on that particular topic, they'll then morph into looking like what they looked like in the era that they lived in that correlates with what the, what the topic is. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. So they would look like the time or place that they were in physical form. Right. For instance, I may see someone who or I may see a spirit guide that looks like Dumbledore when I first see them. And they appear looking like that, like father time to me so that I can identify their spirit guides. And then for instance, somebody that's studying philosophy, maybe they have a spirit guide that was a professor at Oxford in the early twenties. And that person, that spirit will morph into what, the spirit looked like in that lifetime. I mean, I've seen, oh my gosh, just, you know, across the board, everything from secretaries from the 1960s and pink suits with pink shoes and, and ivory colored hose and all of that to people from all ages. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And we can contact anybody that anybody wants to talk to. I teach a class and one of my students in the last session was a retired rocket scientist. And he was working on a theorem and he wanted help from Einstein. So there were 12 people in the class. We were doing it all online, you know, on a Zoom video platform so we could all see it. And we called Einstein in. And my student asked Einstein the questions and Einstein gave him the answers, which those of us that aren't scientific, we had no clue what they were talking about because it was physics stuff. And my student got the information he wanted. So we have access to any spirit alive or deceased at any time. And that's what I teach. Everybody can do what I do. Everybody can learn to do what I do. We all have the ability. It's just learning to, to develop it. And it took you years, obviously, to get to the the level and the you know, where you are now, you know, the point where you are now, but we, if we really worked at it, you know, like if we were studying an instrument or something like that and just built up our skills, but we all have that as humans, right? Is what you're saying. We all have that ability. Right. But my class, I teach it as four 
Saturdays, two hours, four Saturdays in a row. And it's about the transfer of energy at a super high vibration level that I do to my students. And we have a lecture and discussion just to pass the time for the two hours. But 95% of the equation is the transfer of energy, which allows everybody to access spirit and then do whatever they want with it. It's kind of like if I teach somebody how to read, they can learn whatever they want. If I teach someone how to communicate with spirit, they can do medical stuff with it. They can do talk to their deceased loved ones, talk to other people's deceased loved ones to help them. They can get guidance from all kinds of spirit guides. I mean, it's just endless. They can do past life stuff. They can do future stuff. It's just endless. So my students at the end of eight hours of a class are able to do what I do. And then certainly by utilizing and practicing, they enhance their skills exponentially from there. Wow, I have to do that. I'm, I'm so fascinated in building up those skills. And if you're listening, go to askjulieryan.com and find out more information about Julie's courses. I'm sure everything's there on her website. And you know, speaking of that, of building up that kind of communication, I've been just working with, um, I mean, I've always loved tarot cards, you know, a lot of times just for the artwork, and I have a couple of different sets. And I've been working with one where I seem to be getting kind of some clear you know, clear messages and just, you know, working on a big project and you start doubting yourself and feeling that you can't do things. And then whenever I start feeling that way, I'll, I'll pull a couple of cards and just try to clear my, you know, clear my monkey mind thoughts and just mm -hmm. see, okay, what, what do you want me to know? And that's been, that's been kind of working. That's been working for me. What you're should doing I, is should you're I continue and <laughs> do that? No, you're just what you're doing is you're disrupting the frequency that you're on with your monkey mind thoughts. So thoughts don't originate in our heads. We pull them in from the universe, from you know, the ethers out there. And everything has a frequency, like you're at a radio station, your radio station broadcasts on a certain frequency. If somebody wants to listen to classical music, they're going to change the station and get that music coming in on a different frequency, the frequency on which that station is broadcasting. So it's the same thing. That's what the tarot cards do is it's a way to disrupt that frequency of that negative thought, that hamster wheel that we get on. It breaks it, gets you onto a different frequency where now you're thinking about what the card showed you and then you're pulling in other thoughts about that and that's what we do but we just don't know we're doing it right that makes sense and i know i've read some things um you know recently about where there's question of if tarot cards are you know people should stay away from them but i i never feel that i get any kind of bad energy or or something like that what do you, what do you think about that do you think we should just use tools that we feel comfortable with and you know, if I'm drawn to a deck of cards, that's fine. Maybe that wouldn't work for someone else. But wouldn't you say it's more your intent that if you intended something to be negative, then that's what you'd experience, right? Well, yes, all spirits are pure love and life, pure limitless love and um, unlimited, you know, we have unlimited capabilities in our spirit form. And when we feel what I would, what we would consider to be a negative emotion, that just means we're vibrating at a lower level than when we feel good and we're vibrating at a high level. So if somebody pulls a card that feels negative, 
they're on that frequency that I just described, they're pulling in thoughts that are on that negative frequency. So disrupt the frequency somehow, pull another card, you know, do something to disrupt that frequency to get those thoughts on something that feels better. When we're in a negative emotional state, that's our spirit saying, hey, you need to look at this from a different perspective because you're out of alignment because the spirit part of us, which is the everlasting part, is only based in love and we vibrate very high. So when we feel a negative emotion, it's like an early warning system GPS that we have that is really beneficial. And it's a way for us to know we need to disrupt something because anything that isn't going to kill us in the next couple of minutes, Diane, anything that anything else that we think that we feel a negative emotion about, it's false. It's fake news. We're making it up. So we want to disrupt that frequency and get onto a different frequency that feels better. Right. Takes a, takes no, a that, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And I know we're kind of we're kind of jumping around, but you're a buffet of psychicness. So I'm just just asking, you know, kind of kind of what I'm being led to or what's or what I'm I'm interested in or what's popping in my head. But I mean, and in all of your years of work, you know, what you've what you've done, and the experiences that you've had, and really, um, a lot of what you talk about in the book and angelic attendance, you know, the holy work, I think it's really holy of sitting with people and working with them as they're making that transition. I mean, have you ever really encountered anything of that made you feel frightened or negative? I mean, are we we really are just when when we're exiting the body and we're in that spirit form, are we really just pure love and and light? Yes. Yeah, and and the whole concept of negative spirits and demons and all that stuff has been concocted by religions and by cultures throughout the ages to control the masses because certainly what's the most powerful form of control it's fear sure and what i what i witness and what i've been told countless times by spirit is spirit is pure limitless love and love and light there are no there are no negative there are no demons there are none of that uh the interesting thing about it too is that when when we uh, just let go. And it's really a glorious occurrence. And we all decide where we go, how we go, who's with us when we go, when we go, all of that. And there's lots of stories of working with families throughout the years that are in my book. And they're very, when you agree, they're very heartwarming and, and very uh, informative, but also heartwarming and, and fun, even in some instances, funny the things that happen. But I see that in the spirit world, what's transpiring as we're transitioning is really a glorious event. It has a glorious component to something that's certainly heart-wrenching for the family. And, um, and I know a lot of people say, well, I feel so badly that my mother, my grandfather, whomever died alone, well, nobody dies alone. We're all surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones that I call, by the way, I call it the welcome to heaven committee. They're all there. Isn't to that welcome great? Us. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. And, and that should give people a lot of comfort that at that moment that we're not alone. And and I know in my case with, with my father, I always felt, felt guilty and, and horrible that I wasn't actually physically there at that moment where I was with my mother, I was able to be with her at that moment that she passed, 
And I always just felt so horrible about that. But it always comforted me to read these testimonials and stories from other people in, in your book. Um, you know, there's other great books out there if people are curious about this topic to check it out, that we really aren't alone at that moment. And that really made me made me feel good. So that, that took out some of the fear. Although I think there there's probably... I was just funny. I was reading on a message board yesterday on Facebook, a spiritual awakening group where they said, the question was asked, are you afraid of death? And people are like, no, no, no. I'm like, what do you mean? Of course you're, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of it. I mean, I don't, I'm sure after it actually happens that it's going to be okay from everything that I've read and, you know, research into that experience. But I mean, wouldn't you say we're, I mean, wouldn't you be a little bit afraid at that moment? You know, oh, I think, I think human, we, right? especially in Western cultures, the more well-educated we get, the more afraid of death we are. Absolutely. And, right. and I was inspired and led to write this book by my spirit guide, who's a dead Pope, Diane, Pope Clement VI. Yes, and, I read and that. He, he showed up and showed up in his whole Pope outfit. And I said, can I help you? And he said, yeah, you need to write a book about what happens, what you're seeing as people are dying, because people are so afraid to die. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People are going to think I'm nuts. I'm not doing that. And I had this little discussion back and forth with this pope. And he said, well, yeah, you are. And you might as well just get on it and all of that. So anyways, after he left, I Googled him. When he showed up, I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, there was a Pope Clement? And he said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, never heard of any, but that's okay. So after after I was done discussing this with him, he I Googled him, Diane, and he was in office during the bubonic plague when, when two-thirds of Europe died, and he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I thought, okay, Ryan, you cannot make this stuff up. This is too wild. That so is crazy, yeah. That's why I did the book. And it took me a long time to release it because I was so afraid of what people were going to think of me, that I was nuts or something. And now, you know, the funniest thing about this, Diane, my book is used in Sunday school classes as part of their part of their curriculum around the country. It's even being used in a couple of synagogues, which is something that I never, ever saw happening. It's available in libraries. It's available in university libraries. I was very diligent about that. It's available in bookstores, of course, on Amazon. But I wanted it to be available uh, in the library setting. And I have had several, several churches send, send me an email and say, hey, we're using your book as part of our curriculum or part of our reading list for our Sunday school class. So, Well, that must be so uh, just so unbelievably gratifying for you to know that so many people are getting comfort from being able to read this and talk about it and just bringing it into the conversation, you know, bringing it into the light for people to have these discussions. You know, maybe someone could bring it in to a parent who's in the hospital, or maybe they've never had that conversation. This could open up, open up those channels. So I think it's, well, it's exactly. so needed. And it's short. And I, specifically kept it short because nobody wants to read some 700 page novel while they have a loved one who's dying a lot of people will give it as a gift to somebody who's just lost a loved one as well and and there's a chart of the 12 phases of transition the different 
configurations that the angels and our deceased loved ones are in as we go through each of these 12 phases. It's on my website, Diane, AskJulieRyan.com. And so people will download the chart. And for instance, when a family comes in, when a loved one who's dying, they'll pass the chart around. And I keep hearing from families that it just brings such a sense of peace to the situation that everybody's going through, which is certainly heart-wrenching. And the other thing that's interesting about these 12 phases is that regardless of if somebody dies instantly in a homicide or suicide or, or you'll hear of somebody dropped dead of a heart attack instantly, uh, whether it's instant, whether somebody is dying over days, weeks, months, whether there's a gal that calls into my podcast did for two years and her dad took two years to die. He was in phase 11 of 12 for two years. Regardless of how long it takes, we all go through these 12 phases. Everybody does. Whether it's instant or Right, that's so fascinating. When I, when I read that and the way you explained it, though, it, it made so much sense. So even if it's something that is very quick or something more drawn out, like, like the example that you just gave of your, of your caller, there are 12 distinct phases that that people go through right but i guess it could just happen you know quickly if it was it was something which i hope for me it'll be quick right well keep in that. mind our linear time in our human form is not the same as spirit time so what could be for instance 100 years in what our understanding of time is could be a nanosecond in the spirit world so we can't even comprehend the timing in the spirit world. Right. Time just is, is totally, totally different. And I've, I've read that from other accounts and people that have had NDEs. Um, there's, do you know who the comedian Mark Marin is? Have you ever heard of him? I have. Yes. He, he was doing some stand up and he described, which I, I thought was so funny. Cause I hope this happens to me. His moment of death will be, wait, what? You know, <laughs> And that's like, wait, what? Like I could, I could see that would be me like, what's happening? Oh, it happened. So that, that's what I hope for, for my experience will be that, you know, wait, what? I think that's oh, everybody's okay. experience. <laughs> right. And then one more experiences it happens. And, and I've, I've heard from many spirits over the years that it's so much easier than being born. It's just, you just slip and it's just boom. You're, and we're all, it, when we're in spirit form, we're all still around our loved ones. We just don't have a body where our spirit is around them, but we just don't have a body. Right. And whatever we put our attention on is where, where we can be. Exactly. That, that's what like I've heard Bewitched. described. Did you watch Bewitched as a little kid? I did. Of course. I used to think, <laughs> oh, if I could just twinkle my nose and be in another place like Samantha Stevens. And now I can, I learned how to do woo woo. It's so great. And the fact that you're teaching other people how to do it too. So we can, we can all share in, in the woo. I love it. I, I love yeah. the woo. So, I mean, we only have a couple of minutes left I mean, there's so many things that I could ask you about. I'll have to have you come on and, and visit with us again and, and chat with our, our unique listeners and also people getting the podcast later and people can download this on Spotify, Apple play, Google play, all your favorite podcast outlets. Um, so you have something else coming out, though, that we should mention while we have a minute or two, and you've got a new book that you're working on for kids. So tell us a little bit about that. I do. It's called Angel Messages for Kids, 
And I've had so many moms with small children over the years say to me, can you please write a book? Because how do I explain to my four-year-old that my grandfather died? How do I explain to my three-year-old that she really is seeing spirits and she's talking with them, that that is really real? How do I explain that, uh, you know, that they're the memories that my child has of past lives that we've corroborated with historical documents is really real. How do I explain that? And so I, I wrote a children's book. It's one of those picture books, Diane, where the story is primarily told through pictures. I think it has 17 sentences in it. And uh, we're working to get it out in time for the holidays. And so I'm excited about it. Wow, that's great. That's really exciting because I think kids would would really like to have that validation. I'm sure a lot of parents when they're confronted with this kind of topic or you know, if your if your child comes up and talks about a past life, what are you going to do? I'm sure most people or the majority would probably sweep it under the rug or say what's wrong with my kid and you know, there's so many reactions that people could have, but to normalize things a little bit would be great. And you said this is going to be available in time for the holidays, hopefully? Yes. That will be amazing. So people should look out for it or maybe just check your website and, and see what's up and you'll you'll let them know. Right. And do you do any events or get out and speak or do you mostly just have people contact you for for readings or something like that and you do that from your home? I do that. I do both. I don't have anything lined up before the end of the year, but yes, I have spoken at many events and, and, uh, book things and other events as well. And, and that's really fun. Normally what I'll do is I'll go out in the audience and it'll be, can you scan me for, I feel sick. Can you, can I talk to my dead grandmother? Can you scan my cat? You know, it's just a buffet of psychicness again. And it's really fun because we're ping ponging all over and getting people answers. That's so great. Well, I hope you can come back again and, and visit with us. And it's been so fun to chat with you. And I love delving into all this stuff. Check out Julie Ryan online, askjulieryan.com and keep an eye out for that children's book. And Julie, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.